What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. As far as I am aware, the only daily NFL podcast on the internet. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Joined on this fine Sunday evening, Monday morning for most of you listening. Actually, technically it's Monday morning for most of us talking on this podcast because at least two of us are on Eastern Standard Time. We're going to cover every game from Week uh, 12's action that happened on Sunday. If you're curious about thoughts on Thanksgiving games or uh, whatever else, go back in the feed and check it out. And while you're there, go and subscribe, rate, and review. We need some uh, some new uh, reviews on there. Write something nice. Like, And if you if you won your fantasy league or you're winning your fantasy league because of this podcast, or maybe you took the Chiefs over, maybe you drafted Patrick Mahomes, go ahead and tweet me and let me know. At Will Brinson, you can, uh, you can holler at the rest of us. John Breach, Ryan Wilson, Sean Wagner, McGuff, all here to break down the games. And we're going to go to John Breach first because, John, um, my Cleveland Browns beat your Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday. And I would have to say that this, you know, look, as a long-suffering Browns fan, this is a high point for me, a very exciting day for a long-suffering Bengals fan uh, was this the lowest point of Marvin Lewis's tenure? Uh, if it wasn't, it is definitely in the top two. Uh, this was as ugly as it gets. I've never watched a game. And uh, you know one of those where you just give up and you throw your hands up in the air and then you're about to turn the TV off, but then you love torture, so you keep watching? That was what happened. It was like just three hours of torture. I mean, it couldn't have gone <laughs> – any worse. I mean, we're talking about the fact that A, hiring Hugh Jackson was a horrible idea. Uh, B, adding insult to injury is that Andy Dalton gets hurt and Jeff Driscoll looked better than Andy Dalton. Yeah, he did. <laughs> uh, and, and then the defense is still just the worst defense in NFL history and it hasn't improved at all over the past few weeks. Cut them some slack because they played the Chiefs, cut them some slack because they played the Saints, but Baker Mayfield uh, looked like an MVP out there just throwing bombs on the Bengals defense. It was insane. Yeah. So, so well, just to, just to set the stage a little bit further, 35 to 20, the Browns win. It wasn't that close. I mean, it was 28 to nothing, um, heading into halftime. Oh, no, excuse me. Heading into halftime, it was 28 to seven. The Bengals scored just before half, um, on an Andy Dalton pass to John Ross. Uh, but then Baker Mayfield will come back out in the third quarter and throw another touchdown pass, 35 seven. This game was a blowout from start to finish. And you could tell clearly that there was some, vitriol with the Browns players directed at Hugh Jackson, who is their coach, who now is 0-2. Um, he has, uh, he is, he has as many, what is it? If he loses the Browns again this year, he will be 0-2 against the Browns and he'll have two losses and two wins on both sides. It's a pretty unbelievable, uh, potential situation. Um, I, I, I thought Baker looked fantastic. I get that the Bengals stink. Um, but he was winging the ball everywhere. Nick Chubb ran the ball really well, caught two passes, had an incredible touchdown catch. Um, and, and then the two instances, of course, that drew lots of attention on social media. One, Demarius Randall intercepts Andy Dalton. And then with like a huge lane to run up the left side of the field, he instead cuts out of bounds and flicks the ball to Hugh Jackson. And Hugh Jackson, because he's Hugh Jackson, had no idea at first what was happening, that Demarius Randall was clowning him, or as Dave Damashek pointed on Twitter, 
just pieing him in the face. And like, he just, just walked over and just shoved a cream pie right in his grill. Hugh Jackson didn't realize it was like, oh, cool. My guy loves me. He's hooking me up. And then five seconds later, you can tell he's like, oh, no. And then after the game, he, he hunted down Baker Mayfield. He's like, Baker, Baker, Baker. What's up, man? And Baker just, just gives him the old, I, hello, Hugh. How are you? And just gives him the handshake. It's, it's how you really expect to be greeted by Ryan Wilson when you see him in an airport after having not talked to him for a while. More likely a bus station. Uh, I thought it was interesting <laughs> after the game that Baker said that uh, we now have play callers we, we believe in. Direct shot at Hugh and, and Todd Haley. Uh, Freddie Kitchens is balling out as the new offensive coordinator. They clearly seem to have a lot of faith in what he's doing. And I think we talk about it every week. I think Greg Williams is going to fall ass backwards into this job. I, I think the way <laughs> things are going, <laughs> you keep Freddie Kitchens because all you need is offensive coordinator. You let uh, the guy with the weird goatee dyed black do his thing with those stupid horn rim glasses on and you continue to let Baker ball out. Uh, they're a lot of fun to watch. I'm not a, as a, a longtime Browns fan as you, Brinson, but <laughs> I do like Baker. I like what that offense is, is starting to do now that you're using Chubb properly and using Duke Johnson more. And that defense is really, really good. I don't know where the Bengals go from here, John. I don't know if you fire Marvin Lewis because I would be afraid, our buddy Jason Lockenford reported Sunday morning, that they're talking about Hugh Jackson taking over, which seems like the one of the worst ideas imaginable, not just in football, but in like the world right now. There are a lot of crazy things going on in the world. All time, all time life worst ideas is letting Hugh Jackson run the Bengals. You cannot, Hugh is a, is a virus. You cannot let him into your organization because he will take over and destroy it from the inside out. We've seen that in Cleveland and we're watching that slow motion train wreck happening in Cincinnati. So two teams going in opposite directions. Ohio, huge win for the Browns. Uh, they're a lot of fun to watch. And I will say real quick, since Brinson tweeted it when he was clowning me earlier during this game, pretty much the whole game. Saying, you know, JLC's got this report that Hugh Jackson might end up taking over. And how do I feel about that? And I thought about that literally for four straight hours. I stopped paying attention to everything else and started imagining this world where Hugh Jackson is the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. And it, it was, I would literally rather have Jeff Fisher and Rich Kotite co-coaching <laughs> this team over Hugh Jackson. That is just how absurd the idea is of Hugh Jackson getting another head coaching job, getting it this quickly after falling flat on his face in Cleveland, none of it makes sense except that the Bengals' owner, Mike Brown, doesn't want to go out and pay any coach a lot of money. He already is comfortable with Hugh Jackson, and that's the problem is that this is all believable, and it could all still happen no matter how bad the Bengals are, and it just makes me sad. And they're only going to have 10 season ticket holders left next year if they hire Hugh Jackson. By the way, Sean Wagner was the only guy kind enough to podcast with me on Thanksgiving. I made him wait seven minutes in this podcast before he could say his first word. I'm a horrible host. Uh, Sean, I will point out, though, um, you're, I want to get your thoughts on Baker Mayfield because Mayfield with Hugh Jackson, I ran these stats for sorting the Sunday pile, uh, 56.5% completions, 6.4 yards per attempt, Eight touchdowns, six interceptions, one and four as a starter. Mayfield, after Hugh Jackson gets fired, 73.9% completions, 8.8 yards per attempt, nine touchdowns, one interception, two and one as a starter. What are your thoughts on Baker Mayfield, and can the Browns make a little bit of a playoff run here? I don't know if they're making a playoff run, but to start with start with Mayfield, I was actually about to read those stats off when you gave me a chance to talk. But since you got it covered, let me just add one thing, and let's <laughs> let's look at his sack numbers. Because you, were you gonna get the stats? Sacked. Were you gonna get the stats from my article, or like, like, where are you getting the stats from? No, I while Breach and Wilson were talking, I saw it on Twitter, so I was trying to furiously type 
Hugh Jackson, Baker Mayfield stats. Sean, anyway, Sean, be better prepared, please. Yeah. I, at least show up, at least show up on Thanksgiving right. and be prepared, please. Thank you. What Brinson left out, which is very important, which highlights how, how much quicker the Browns are just asking, are asking Mayfield to get the ball out is that he's been sacked, I think, twice now in, in three games. Um, and he was sacked. 20 times, I believe, in six games with Hugh Jackson. Ah. And so that kind of highlights just the change in approach. In a, in approach. Um, I don't know the, the the Browns are a playoff team. Um, I do think they are very clearly the third best team in the AFC North. And could you maybe make an argument that they're the second best team? I mean, I'm not that impressed no. by the Ravens. I know. Okay. I know. <laughs> um, if we're talking about future outlook... Um, and if we're talking, if both the Ravens job and the Browns job opens up, I think if you're not taking into account ownership situation, if you're just taking into account roster, I would rather have the Browns roster. And I think that's reflected, reflected in the fact that you have guys like Bruce Arians coming out and saying the only job I will take is Cleveland. But shouldn't they, shouldn't they just hire, like, just be like, listen, Greg, Greg with seven G's, you're doing a great job. However, we are going to hire Bruce Arians. Like if Bruce Arians is willing to take that job, don't you just hire him, Ryan? Like do you mess around? I think you just go out and get him. To me, it's a don't think, don't blink situation. Pay Bruce what he wants, get him back in there, and don't mess around. I mean, he's the best possible coach you could get in that situation with, at least in terms of like ceiling and floor. Yeah, no, I think so. I think the only issue, I think you keep Freddie Kitchens there if you like him, if you're Bruce Arians. My only concern with Bruce, who, who was awesome in, in Pittsburgh, was awesome in Indianapolis, was awesome in Arizona, is that Roethlisberger's sacks went down substantially mm. once Bruce left and quit throwing deep balls all day and was replaced by Todd Haley. And that caused a lot of people some angst in Pittsburgh to have to admit that publicly. But So as long as you're committed to doing sort of what Sean just touched on, keeping uh, Baker Mayfield upright, getting the ball out quickly, you don't need to get fall in love with nine routes and, and making sure the running game is part of the offense. Absolutely. I think it makes a ton of sense. Um, don't forget, he was coached the year, I think, the year that Pagano had cancer and he took over in Indianapolis, right? Yes, yeah. and then the next year, when his first year with Arizona, when he took over in Arizona. So, and by yeah, the way, Freddie Kitchens, his his quarterback's coach in, in Arizona. So, I mean, like, that would be an easy, seamless situation. And there's a pretty good chance that you can either – you can definitely either hire Chuck Pagano as your defensive coordinator or hire uh, Todd Bowles when he is inevitably fired by the Jets as your D.C. So, like, there's a good chance you – Steve you, Wilkes, who will also be available. <laughs> if you really die for Steve <laughs> Wilkes. Uh, not from the Arians tree, but sure. Um, Arians tree, I'm not going to – Gonna work on not using that phrase. Uh, I, I, I do, I do agree with you though that like, I would be a little worried about Arians having Baker take those deep drops and chunk it. That, that would be a slight concern. But I mean, look, I think the, the Browns look like a good football team. The Bengals look like a bad football team. John, I'm sorry that the four and one Bengals are, are a figment of your imagination, something that died. Um, sort of like Santa Claus. Uh, I hope we don't have any young kids listening to this podcast. What, why do your kids hearing me, Ryan? Don't get mad about that. I believe in Santa Claus, jerk. Um, do your kids know that Santa Claus is, uh, you know, not, uh, no. do you think their kids listening to this podcast who might have that spoiled? I feel like that wouldn't be the case, right? Well, I, I don't know what you're talking about. And I, I'm washing my hands. You have Sean's on the podcast. I'm rolling. Sean's like, what? Santa Claus? Yeah, look at him. He's crying right now. <laughs> we should get Santa clear. Claus on the podcast next week. You I can't know, do it tonight right. because Cyber Monday, a lot of gifts to get, but, <laughs> <laughs> but hopefully next week. Good save, John. Oh, you're the best, John. All right. Um, elsewhere in the division, the, the, 
Oh yeah, good guy. This is great. I get to deliver bad news to all my work friends this week. This is so much fun. Uh, Ryan, the Steelers lost. They stunk up the joint. They gagged it away. Ben Roethlisberger threw what could have been the worst interception you'll ever see. And then he tried to blame it. He tried to, what's that? He's throwing much worse interceptions. <laughs> he tried to blame it on uh defensive line. He's like, he's like uh, Shelby Miller. Is it Shelby Miller? No. Uh, who is it? Harris. Shelby Harris right. caught the, caught the, caught the interception. I, I it's a funny story. Actually, um, my son, Robbie, who's four and a half, will turn five in January. La- couldn't stop laughing at it. I was like, watch the big guy in orange catch the pass. And he made me rewind it and watch it like 40 times. It kept me like, the wrong team got it. <laughs> and I meant to record it and send you a video of it, Ryan, but instead I'll just have to tell you about it. There'll uh, be other opportunities. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this was actually just Brinson uh, projecting what he did onto his son and that he was the one laughing, <laughs> knowing how Wilson felt overall. Have you, John, have you ever met anyone who revels so much in their friend's pain? Um, Brinson does rank very high in that category. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so so I will point this out. Yeah. Uh, the Steelers had 529 total yards. By, more by the way, by the way, the final score of that game, just to just to get it out there, right. was, uh, Denver 24, Pittsburgh 17, a, a loss to send Pittsburgh to 7-3-1 and one, and move Denver to surprising 5-6. and six. Your point, right? Yeah, yeah. No, Denver's actually really good, number one. Um, if you take out that ridiculous blowout loss to the Jets where they gave up 4 million running yards that no one can seem to explain, all their games have been close. And they uh, just came off beating your Chargers. And they're like top 10 in DVOA, according to all outsiders. So this wasn't going to be an easy game going in there. That said, the Steelers actually dominated this team, except for the stupid uh, interception at the end of the game you pointed out. The fumble at the one-inch line that went out of the end zone to start the game. Uh, the stupid James Conner fumble in the red zone that sort of came out of nowhere. Uh, the other Ben Roethlisberger interception that sort of came out of nowhere. So it was one thing after the other. and Blocked field goal. The block field goal wasn't even the worst. I mean, that was like, okay, that happens. And they sort of made up for it with that ridiculous trick field goal at the end of the first half. But um, I've seen much worse performances from the Steelers going back as, as far back as seven days ago when they should have lost to the Jaguars. I thought they played well in this game, just stupid mistakes. James Conner has to quit fumbling the ball. That's been sort of an issue uh, on and off. And, you know, we sort of laugh at Le'Veon Bell, but he, he wouldn't have done that. Um, but – Here's the other thing, and we were talking about this after the game. They're now fourth in the AFC. They were second. The Patriots are now second. Patriots might end up being first. The Patriots' schedule is cake because they're not stupid. Sorry, division, so they don't have to play anyone. They play the Vikings and the Steelers. That's the only two real games they have left outside of the division. Steelers' game, uh, Steelers' schedule is impossible. So they play – who they play next? They play the Chargers Sorry, next to home, and they also have the rest of the season. They have to face the Patriots, and they have to face the Saints – I think they play play, uh, play the Bengals and maybe the Raiders. Maybe that's the, the games they have left, and not in that order. So, I mean, if they only lose five games, that's pretty good, I feel like. So they're going to be a wild card team. The win of the division probably have to be play the first week in, in that wild card game. Uh, I don't care. This loss doesn't mean that much to me. I'm not that shocked by it. I think it's a bigger deal for the Broncos and, and Vance Joseph, who finally looked like uh, he was relieved that he knew he wasn't going to get fired come Monday. But, um, yeah, not a – Great win, but they've certainly had not a great loss. Uh, but they've had worse losses. So I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. The uh, the Broncos, by the way, have the complete opposite kind of schedules. The Steelers. I've kind of talked myself into thinking that they can actually win that six wild card. They get the Bengals. We just talked about not a good team. Uh, you got the 49ers, the Browns, the Raiders, and the Chargers. And obviously, the Chargers game will be tough. The Browns game will be tough. But I think you can look at three wins there, and I think every game is winnable. I mean, they just beat the Chargers a week ago. 
Um, and it's not like the Chargers have some sort of great home field advantage. So I've, I've kind of talked myself into the Broncos at least challenging for that final playoff spot. I think you look at their team, I don't think anyone is convinced that Case Keenum is a good enough quarterback, but they could run the ball. Philip Lindsay was really good today, averaged somewhere near eight yards per carry. He's been electric all year long. Um, Emmanuel Sanders continues to be underrated, so they can run the ball. They have a pretty good wide receiver one, and then they can rush the quarterback. And I think if you look at teams, and look, we don't need them to be a nine-win team if they can just get to eight wins. They run the ball well, and they can play defense. I think they have a shot. I will say this. Lin- Lindsey is amazing. I, that's really the first time I watched him play. Case Keenum's numbers weren't great, but he actually didn't play terribly. He hit a couple nice passes. I also forgot to mention Roethlisberger overthrew about five guys who were wide-ass open. Uh, that could have also helped in terms of scoring more points. But um, I, I like this Denver team. I don't know if they're going to uh, overcome the great Indianapolis Colts, who are 6-5. and five, But, I mean, they're certainly better in my mind than probably the Bengals and definitely the, the Dolphins, I feel like. But, um, yeah, it was a good win for them. The uh, Steelers, by the way, you'll like this, Ryan. Um, even if they lose to the char- – they have a really tough schedule coming up. Chargers, Raiders – Patriots, Saints, and Bengals to close out. That's not easy. They should, but even if they lose to the Chargers, Patriots, and Saints, they still have a sixty percent chance of making the playoffs. Beat the Raiders, it jumps to eighty. This is according to the upshot on, on New York Times, and beat the Bengals, it jumps to ninety-six percent. The downside of that, Ryan, is that if they do that, if they finish two and three, Sean, I'm not reveling in this. I'm just you got really excited there. No, I just think that this is important for for. Everybody in the AFC, fans of the Chargers, fans of the Texans, fans of the Patriots. Uh, I don't think the Chiefs come into play, but maybe they could. Um, if you go two and three and you're the Steelers, there's a 70% chance that you end up with the number four seed in the AFC. And if you have the number four seed in the AFC, you are probably hosting the Chargers in wildcard weekend. And that's not a great spot to be in. I, I don't think anybody really wants to host um, the Ravens, but you could have a, a rookie quarterback in Lamar Jackson starting or, or, or Joe Flacco coming in, um, or maybe even the Colts. Like I would much rather have the Ravens or Colts than the Chargers in the wildcard weekend, right? Uh, the Steelers don't like playing the Ravens in the playoffs because the Ravens show up and punch them in the mouth. I think they'd be fine facing the Chargers, even though we know how good they are. It'll be cold. It'll be in in um, Pittsburgh. The big issue is not the first weekend. The big issue is the second weekend when you have to travel to Gillette Stadium, whoever that team happens to be that has to travel there. So the Steelers basically needed to win out to guarantee that the Patriots didn't hopscotch them. Is that it? Is that what – hopscotch? Leapfrog? Leapfrog is probably better. That'll work. Yep, so. Yeah, but um, oh, that wasn't little, happening. Little you talk two-step about the hopscotch? Yeah, but we, I also feel like, Wilson, you know, you talk about how the Patriots have the Steelers number all the time, is that that's actually the ideal case for the Steelers getting to the Super Bowl where they get to the wild card, they end up in Kansas City in the divisional round, and the Patriots get upset in the divisional round, and then they play whoever in the AFC Championship. Yeah, I think that's what happened in 08. They didn't have to play the Patriots in 08 because the Broncos, I believe, with Champ Bailey beat them. If I'm remembering correctly. Did he have that interception where he got tackled at the one and the ball yeah, went out? Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Ben Watson ran him down, if I recall. Yeah. Nice. Sean, Sean was eight years old during that game, and he remembers that. It's because I was preparing for the Jay Cutler era to start in Denver the next year. Preparing. He was sitting on the edge of his Cutler seat. was having these scouting teams. You know where Jay Cutler's from, guys? Santa, Santa Claus, Claus, Indiana. Santa Claus, Indiana. Great point. Ho, ho, ho. By the way, the, the Broncos um, probably need to go 4-1. and one. If they want to make the playoffs is, you know, just looking at the math. Um, and, and one of those four victories has to be basically a week 17 win over the Chargers and the Chargers are going to have to lose some games there too. But they have the Bengals, 49ers, Browns and Raiders in their next four games. 
I, it's not crazy they could make a little bit of a run, but I think it's, it, it is probably, um, a, uh, a long shot. I, I do think, um, you know, it doesn't help them that they're, they're in that division. Is there any chance the Steelers could lose that division, Ryan? Uh, I think that, let's see, the Ravens have the Falcons in Atlanta next week and the Ravens have the Falcons, know. Chiefs, Buccaneers, Chargers, and Bengals. So they're going to lose two of those games, I feel like. Probably. I, the Falcons team, they're garbage and you, that defense is terrible. And I feel like the, the, the Lamar Jackson could run for 5,000 yards by himself against them, but you just never know. You never know what happens when you go to another, you have to travel in a dome. It'll be loud. Our buddy Matt Tabeek will be there cheering for the Falcons, so you never know. But I feel like if the Falcons, I mean, the Ravens lose those two games to the teams, they should lose them to. I think you mentioned the Chiefs and maybe the Chargers. Yeah, the Steelers should be fine. But again, the bigger issue is once January rolls around, how are you going to get out of that, out of the AFC side of the bracket? Uh, And the crazy thing is the Browns probably have the easiest schedule of any team in that division. Not that I think they're going to win it because what they can only max out at nine wins, but they're, they're all winnable games with the Texans. Panthers, Broncos, Bengals, and Ravens. Are you off the Bengals bandwagon, John, in terms of playoff hopes? Are you still? I'm never off the Bengals bandwagon, Wilson. Honestly, here's the thing: is that this team is just so perplexing. It would not shock me at all if they came out and beat the Broncos at home by ten points. The Bengals have been beating crushed by teams with good quarterbacks that can throw the ball. The Broncos are not that. Uh, So I don't think the Broncos are going to be able to put up 35 points on the Bengals. So it just seems like a toss up game. I don't think like I think the Bengals might even be favored in that game. Um, and this is with the understanding that Andy Dalton isn't playing. I love that John just got goes right to Driscoll. I'm team Driscoll. I'm I'm getting my Cyber Monday, I'm getting my Jeff Driscoll jersey. Driscoll looks better than Dalton. It's like, man, who's this backup that just looks way better than Andy Dalton? It doesn't need Tyler Eifert and AJ Green. Uh if the Browns went out according to the upshot, eighty six percent chance of making the playoffs. Is you I mean it's, it's possible. I don't I don't think it's likely. I think they'll get They'll get got by one of the Panthers, Texans, or Broncos early on. It'll be meaningless, but a good run for the Browns nonetheless. Uh, the Ravens, we mentioned them. Lamar Jackson, they didn't run him as much on, um, on, on, uh, on Sunday in a convincing win against the, uh, against the Raiders. It was 34 to 17. The Ravens won. Um, but I thought that he, and I know his numbers in the passing game, 14 to 25, 178 yards and one touchdown, two picks. Not that impressive. But he finished with 71 yards rushing and a touchdown on 11 carries. And he, I mean, he, he still, they did a good job putting him in a position to succeed. The, the Ravens did. And I think that Lamar Jackson can A, help this, he just gives this team a higher upside. And B, I think he can be a big boon for fantasy owners in the next three or four weeks. Because as, as Ryan pointed out, Raven, I mean, the Ravens get the Falcons, Chiefs, and Buccaneers over the next three weeks. They should put up numbers in the, the Bengals in week 17. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Lamar Jackson had four out of five really good weeks and Joe Flacco didn't ever play for the Ravens again, at least in the regular season. I don't know. That's what JLC saying. He's, he's, uh, Jason Lockenfora said, don't expect to see Flacco back out there. Uh, of course, I think Lockenfora is the biggest Lamar fan that, uh, is on the internets. Uh, he was, he was good. I mean, you have to have him out there, uh, given the state of this team, given how much better they're playing. He had a terrible interception early on that I don't know who he's throwing the ball to, but those are the mistakes you can make when you play John Gruden's Raiders, uh, a team that is tanking, even though John Gruden doesn't appear to know it. Uh, I don't know where the Raiders go from here. Derek Carr took another beating in the backfield. I don't think it was entirely his fault to, to how poorly he played, but you know they're they're a very bad football team. So that's the game the Raiders, uh, the Ravens had to win. They won it, and Lamar Jackson continues to get experience and he will continue to play. I don't know why you would bring Joe Flacco back. 
I'm actually, I actually wasn't that impressed by the Ravens because I think you look at, yes, they scored 34 points, but their offense only scored 20. There was a, a punt return and then a late fumble recovery. So, um, I don't really look at this. I don't, I don't think it was that convincing as much as the scoreline indicates. And I think they've still got a lot of issues. I don't, I wouldn't put them down as one of my playoff teams. Um, I like Lamar Jackson's future, but I think it's really clear he needs time to develop as a passer. And I think it's exciting when you watch him with his, you know, bootleg rollouts. Like that's incredible. It's always going to be a, a play that he has in his arsenal. Um, but I think he needs, he was always a project. And I think the good thing is that the Ravens got a jump start on the project by playing him this year, but I'm not expecting him to take him to the playoffs. And I think, look, only scoring 20 points against that Raiders team at home. I don't think that's that big of an accomplishment. Yeah, but I, I don't think there's any downside to keeping Lamar Jackson in there because, like, why do you go to Joe Flacco? And like you just said, Sean, he's a development. Lamar is. So you let him play these final five weeks, and he's only going to get better every single week. You know, the, the first start, it was, hey, let's run Lamar into the ground, and we're not even going to let him throw the ball. This time, it kind of seemed like Harbaugh was feeling it out and said, hey, let's make sure he's throwing more passes. He completed a 74-yard pass in this game. And if he gets better and better at passing the ball each week, all of a sudden the Ravens become a threat. And you talk about, you know, maybe he's not good enough to lead them to the playoffs, but they've got a little breathing room because their defense is so good. You look at the second half of this game, the Raiders only had 94 yards in the entire half, and 44 of those yards came on one play. So really, the Raiders did nothing. And, I mean, you can say, hey, they had a punt return for a touchdown. They had a defensive touchdown. But you can pick and choose, you know, any stat from any game to make it not look like a dominant win. But it was a dominant win. The Raiders did nothing in the second half. And if you dominate an entire half and you win by 17 points, you dominate the game. Watch so I disagree ch- with you, Sean. Just just to clarify, I absolutely think they should keep playing Lamar Jackson. I don't think Flacco helps them at all. I think they're better with Lamar Jackson. I don't think with either of those two quarterbacks, to me, they're not a playoff team. And they're certainly not a team, I think, that can win a playoff game. Maybe because they already have six wins, they can get there because that last seed in the AFC is not going to be that good. Um, but, yeah, I would absolutely stay with Lamar Jackson because, worst case, you don't make the playoffs. He just got five or six games under his belt, and that helps the next coach coming in if they do fire Harbaugh. Sean! First round quarterback of the week that he hates. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah, I mean, the Ravens can 100% chance win a playoff game. Yeah. I don't know. Joe Flacco's garbage, and he regularly wins playoff games when he was afforded that opportunity. So, I, uh, I actually think that Breach makes a really good point there because it seemed to me like the, the game plan for Lamar Jackson and the, Ra- and the Ravens was almost like, let's see what he can do in the pocket. Let's not just go to this RPO read option stuff. Uh, Gus Edwards, by the way, is fun to watch. This uh, or is it, yeah, Gus Edwards, this this uh, he's a rookie too, right? Undrafted rookie. He just runs hard straight downhill. Um, the rushing lanes are he doesn't dance like Alex Collins does. And I, I, I don't know, like I just think the Ravens. It's tough for the it's tough for the wide receivers. I get it. Um, because you're not seeing as many options, but it just felt like they had a game plan in place to see what Lamar could do in the pocket, make uh, make these defenses respect that he might stay in the pocket, and then you can unleash the running game as you know, a little bit more as needed, but you didn't give him any hits. You got out of there with a win. They're just trying to grind out wins and get at the playoffs, and I think that they can do that. One team that won't be able to do that, the freaking Green Bay Packers, who played on Sunday night against the Minnesota Vikings and looked terrible, Ryan Wilson. They ended up losing 
to uh, Minnesota, 24-17. to Didn't cover because Mike McCarthy kicked a field goal late. Uh, Vikings, Packers, appreciate that. But they could have covered if Aaron Rodgers could have hit the broadside of, bar, of the barn and found a wide-open Devontae Adams in the end zone. He couldn't do it. Um, where do the Packers go from here? Because they're 4-6-1 and one and look like a dead man walking. They should fire Mike McCarthy before they get on the, on the bus ride back to Green Bay because that ain't working. And Aaron Rodgers has been frustrated for years now. This offense is stuck in the two, early 2000s. Um, all this innovation that's going on around the league offensively isn't happening in Green Bay, and you're wasting the, one of the best quarterbacks to ever play. And he can't do it by himself. Yeah, he missed some open receivers, but he also did a lot. He also took four sacks um, on, uh, against the Vikings team that rarely blitzed uh, on Sunday night. And on the other side of the field, Kirk Cousins, probably had his best game of the season. And he has actually been playing well this year. I know people like to give him a hard time because he hasn't been perfect, but it's hard to match what Case Keenum did a year ago, which sounds weird to say. But he's been playing well lately. But I, I think the issue, and John actually wrote about this last week, the issue is Mike McCarthy. Uh, fourth and two last week in Seattle, four, four and a half minutes ago or whatever, uh, and he punts. And they did the math uh, on Sunday night. Chris Collinsworth now, Michael's from PFF. Uh, the chance to convert that fourth, fourth and two, 60%. If they convert it, there's like a 38% chance they win that game against Seattle. They end up losing by three points. If they don't convert it, there's a 20% chance they win the game still. If you punt, 21% chance. So uh, after the game, Mike McCarthy said, yeah, we went with the numbers. Well, you went with the wrong numbers, dummy, because you should have gone for it. You have Aaron Rodgers. We're not talking about (laughs) – I was going to say Lamar Jackson, but I would even rather have Lamar Jackson out there running some sort of crazy bootleg to give you an opportunity to keep doing that. But um, three minutes ago in the first half today, on Sunday night, excuse me, McCarthy again punts on fourth and short. He finally went for it in the second half, and, of course, he got stuffed on a terrible play call. So I'm sure that will convince him to never go for it again on fourth down. I would fire him right now, and there's no reason to wait. Get things started. Get your Freddie Kitchens in there calling plays. Hire Hugh Jackson. Hire Hugh Jackson <laughs> to coordinate up the defense and the <laughs> offense and the special teams. And Because why wait? What What reason is there to wait on Mike McCarthy to do the exact same thing? He's basically Jason Garrett in Wisconsin. Jeez. Uh, look, I, I mean, I don't disagree. I think the the one thing that's funny that's been floated out there is like Packers fans are like, all right, Cliff Kingsbury's been fired by Texas Tech. Let's go get him. That'll fix everything. And it sounds insane, and it's not going to fix everything. Um, I do think that Aaron Rodgers is basically like um, – Philip Rivers back in 2013, or even maybe Ben Roethlisberger at the end of the Bruce Arians era, era that you mentioned, Ryan. He's got, he's, he, you can see it in his eyes every time he's standing back there and he's holding the ball and waiting for somebody to get open down the field. And they're just not be, you know, these teams have figured out how they can guard this, you know, how the defenses they can play to guard this stuff. There's not anything underneath. Like you should just run these mesh routes and run these crossers and let Aaron Rodgers find the open man and just whistle a ball in there. He would be unbelievable in a Sean McVay type of system. And so I think there's some truth to the idea that Cliff Kingsbury could come in and be a good play caller. But the idea that, that it's just going to magically fix the Packers is, is pretty asinine. Sean McVay magically fixed the Rams. Sure. But Cliff Kingsbury I mean, handsome is all get out. And Pat Mahomes loves them, and so um, I think Baker loved him when he was there. I mean, Who he else could, was he there? Win the more. Rams had a lot of talent, though. It's Jeff Fisher just botched it all there. The Packers do not have as much talent in their team. Well, they're they're the injured. Place. I feel like if they get healthy, they draft an offensive lineman or whatever. I mean, they're close. They have all that young talent on defense. I don't think they're that much different than the Rams. I mean, they're not the Rams, obviously. But I think that – let me put it to you this way, John. Which team would be better, Sean McVay coaching this Packers team and Mike McCarthy coaching the Rams? Who wins that game? Well, the Rams would be 
one and ten right now with McCarthy, and the Packers would be ten and one. So, if that answers your question, McVay's Packers, McVay's Packers would be Super Bowl contenders. The one thing I will say though, real quick, is the Packers lose. They're now four six and one. The Browns are four six and one. Which team do you think is better? And is there any world you ever thought that you would be living in that the Browns could be better than the Packers after 11 weeks? An Aaron Rodgers team? No, no, it's impossible. And yet, like, if the Browns and Packers played tomorrow or played next Sunday and on a neutral field, I think the Browns might be slightly favored. And even if they weren't, I would want to take the Browns as an underdog. I would have it at Packers minus four. That's my line, my personal uh-huh. line. On a neutral field. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, what if McCarthy's fired before they play? Does that change your line? Minus 12. <laughs> <laughs> what if they what if hired Hugh Jackson was their coach for that game? Plus 47. <laughs> <laughs> Hugh Jackson is the Packers coach? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Browns. That's like, I mean, that, that was a running joke. It's like, it's pretty obvious Hugh Jackson didn't know, A, what was going on with the Browns, like offense. Like, he, like Marvin Lewis hires him, like, all right, give me the scoop on how to stop Baker. And he's like, well, let me, uh, let me look at some film for they, me, Hugh. Like, he's got no clue. He doesn't know what he's They doing. actually, they asked Mayfield that before the game if he was concerned at all about, uh, Hugh knowing parts of their offense. And he just said no. And they asked him to elaborate. He just said, just no. <laughs> well, that's the thing. When he wanted to sit in on the meetings with Todd Haley and take over, the, one of the issues was he didn't know Todd Haley's offense, so he really did, had no. Yeah. He was out of his depth already, and I feel like he's more interested in being like the quarterback uh, in the high school who's like the cool kid instead of doing his job. So he's prancing around the sidelines, high fiving former, former employees and looking like a doofus. Uh, if I'm the Bengals, I don't mean to be firing everybody, but I would ask him either to sit upstairs in the booth. Or just not come back. He doesn't need to be on the sidelines. By, by the way, the Packers, uh, seven, six percent chance to make the playoffs per the upshot. Um, they do have a friendly schedule. Just to throw this out there, they get the Card- what did you say percentage wise? Six percent. Oh, okay. They get the Cardinals, Falcons. I think wins in those two games. One and one. Uh, I'll say yes. And here's one key thing about their schedule is that they have three December home games, all against indoor teams. So you have dome stadium teams that have to play at Green Bay. I mean, that's almost a lock of a loss. And I don't think Aaron Rodgers has lost a home game at Lambeau Field in December uh, in like 10 years. So I, I, you combine those two things, and I think at least of the three, five games left, three of them are home, I think they absolutely win all three of those. I don't know about their two road games. They're I, all in six I, on the road right I, now. I, I got to say that. Talking about this like gives me PTSD nightmares, and I will be never convinced that the Packers are out of the playoff hunt until they're mathematically eliminated. And I'm telling you, I think the Bears are a much better football team than the Packers. I don't know if the Packers are going to make the playoffs, but I feel like the Packers are going to go into Chicago when they play them in December, and they're going to ruin the Bears' season, and that's the last thing the Packers are going to be able to play for And because Aaron Rodgers does it no matter what. He is going to wreck the Bears' season. All I want is the Packers to be officially eliminated. I think Bears fans watching this game on Sunday night, mathematically it made more sense to root for the Packers because it creates more separation between the Bears and the Vikings. But I think everyone wanted the Vikings to win just because we've Mm. seen this story before. You cannot count out Aaron Rodgers. You don't know what he's just going to do on his own. I don't care about Mike McCarthy. Kill the Packers. Cut the head off. Be done with them. Move on. 
But as Breach is saying, he's listing out those things. I'm already seeing it. I'm already seeing the comeback narrative, and it's and it's already making me scared. Well, here's they're the here's they're all in six on the road. Yeah, oh six on the road. One of two. Right, teams. these are all stats we're going to reference when when they went out and they make the playoffs. Can you believe how they flipped it? If if the Packers are, if the Packers can beat the Cardinals and the Falcons, um, at home in the next two weeks, which they should do. And they can beat the Jets on the road in week 16 and the Lions at home in week 17. Um, they would go into basically the difference between the playoffs would be that game at the Bears in week 15. If the Packers win, they would have an 83% chance of making, 85% chance of making the playoffs, excuse me. And if they lose, it would be something like, uh, 20%. And look, now, like if they lose another game, they're dead. If they lose two games, they're dead. But if they can go four, if they can be, if they can win four of those games, it's going to come down to the Bears game. And Sean, I got to tell you, at the Bears, Aaron Rodgers needing one game to win to get in. It's not Week 17. I'm just saying that's going to be the swing game. I, think we I don't think that'd be... who's going to block for Aaron Rodgers. I'm just curious. I, I feel like that defense is going to absolutely dominate that yeah. that injured offensive line with Mike McCarthy calling these crazy plays from 1947. <laughs> I know Sean has. I understand why Sean's, you know apprehensive about what might happen and i think the only the biggest concern is trubisky i would start chase daniel but that's a conversation we could have later but i think that defense is going to absolutely whoa, die. Whoa, whoa, wait wait <laughs> you would well, no this is a conversation we should have now no, we don't you have time that, we don't have time for that now we don't have time but, for that but i just all right we don't have the end to do it he's just, just trolling you we don't have time to start this. chase daniel over mitch trubisky in a potential must-win game Dude, yes he, what's he, next brunson you know <laughs> That's, that was good work, Ryan. I gotta tell you, you've been, you've been learning from the master this year. Uh, let's move along to the Colts and Dolphins game. A real shootout between the Colts, who've won five straight games. Indianapolis now six and five. If you took their over total for the year, you're feeling great about life. I think it closed at six and a half after Andrew Luck was cleared. They are gonna get that last win for you because their schedule is really friendly. At the Jaguars, at the Texans, Cowboys, Giants at home, both those games at home, and then at the Titans. So three division road games and two games at home. Um, the last time that the Jet, that the Colts lost was October 14th, their fourth straight loss. They've been really streaky. They could have beaten the Texans once already and they could be, um, in a, in a really good spot, but I, I don't think you can complain if you're Frank Reich. Uh, I think the one thing I would complain about with Indianapolis, who won 27-24 in the last second, Adam Vinatieri field goal over the Dolphins, uh, is, is maybe that you stop throwing passes to Andrew Luck. Okay? You know what? Surgically repaired shoulder. He just came back. We finally entered the Andrew Luck is healthy and he's ready to go and everything's great. You got your MVP caliber quarterback there. You're setting the franchise up in a great long-term direction. Two straight weeks of throwing him passes. One, he's diving the end zone in week tw- week 11. And in week 12, he's getting lit up by cornerbacks on the outside. Stop doing it, Frank, right? I know you're addicted to Philly specials, but settle down. Am I right, Breach? Uh, you're absolutely right. This is craziness. This guy is the only reason... I mean, we saw, we all saw the Colts last year. We all saw how they played without Andrew Luck. Now he's back. Uh, all of a sudden he looks phenomenal and Frank Reich is trying to get him killed. That makes no sense. Literally, there should not be a single play in the playbook that involves Andrew Luck catching a ball under any circumstance. I don't care if it's a desperation move. I don't care if it's fourth and one. I don't care if it's fourth and 20. Rip all those plays out of the playbook. Burn them. And then move on and keep doing what you're doing because everything they're doing is working. Besides that, 
Ryan any takes on the? I uh, think the, the I think Luck was finally sacked after going five games without a sack. Yeah. Uh, but I think that sack was probably less uh, worrisome than having him run pass patterns. I don't get that part of it. But I do love this Colts team. I do love what Frank Reich's done. I love how the defense has gotten so much better. And there's so many reasons to to be happy about the Colts and the fact that I don't have to keep calling Andrew Luck Chad Pennington. So I feel like they're going to get the last uh, – the sixth seed. Mm. Um, I don't think there's any concern. I, I think they're much you, – you're looking at the odds there. I think they're much easier um, route to get there. Certainly than the Browns, but, but most definitely than, than the uh, Broncos as well. So I like the Colts. If um, if they beat the Jaguars and the Texans, they will have a 73% chance of making the playoffs. Um, if they lose to the Texans, it falls down to, to 35 or something like that. Um, you know, but look, I mean, they can, you know, they've got a, they're basically going to have to beat, they're going to need to be, those division games are key. Like they can lose the the Cowboys and, and Giants and still be in a pretty good shape. Um, if they be if they win those three division games and lose to the Cowboys and Giants, and that's tough to win three divisional road games if that division stinks. The Jaguars are trash. They would have a seventy four percent chance of making the playoffs. Most likely is the number six seed, uh, but you know thirty percent chance of making it as the uh, division winner. So that's that's pretty good odds, Sean. When you look at that, um, elsewhere in the division, I'm, I'm, I like the Colts. I think the Colts could. I think it'd be. By the way, I think they're only. We're only talking about the sixth seed here because those top five seeds are set. Like the the whether it's the Chargers or the Steelers, one no through one through three and five are basically locked. They, they they could flip with the Texans. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, no. My point is that there's only one playoff seed up for grabs. There's only two, two. The AFC South division is up for grabs. Yeah, Texans are the Texans are not definitely winning. That Texans could lose the Titans on Monday night. Just because you predict, don't wish cast this. Really? No, the Titans are, they're two games back. The, if the Titans beat the Texans on Monday night. There'll be a game back. We're talking about the Colts. But, but the Colts will be a game the, back. Yeah, the, if the Titans beat the Texans, the Texans will be seven and four, the Colts will be six and five, and they're playing the Titans, the Texans. Yeah, no, I, feel, I feel okay with the Texans. I feel like the only thing we're worried about is the six eight. Just trust me on this. Just like Chase Daniel, <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Really, uh, really quick, in, in that game, the uh, the Dolphins led by ten points mm-hmm. with thirteen thirty six remaining in the fourth quarter. They ran six more plays the rest of the game for negative one yards. So um, pretty much the worst way that you can end the game as an offense. So let me see if I can find this tweet uh, tweet from friend of the podcast, friend a uh, real life friend of ours, uh, Adam Beasley. Oh, f bombs and finger pointing. Yeah, this latest Dolphins loss was different. Um, sounds like this was uh, things got really bad at some point. Uh, and the Dolphins said, we've got to win out. My, my goodness. They know how bad this is. Uh, bees, bees tweeted. I'm just trying to find it real quick. Cause he, you know, these, oh yeah, he said, um, I still believe the Dolphins need at least 28 points. They have 24. <laughs> he was 100% right. The Colts stormed back. They managed to find a way. The Dolphins are, are probably dead. Um, at, uh, at, at now at, at five and six and in that division where there, there you only have one playoff spot. I, yeah, I, look, I think, I think that could flip. Uh, but, but the one team that's out of it in the AFC South, out of it completely is the team that everybody thought was going to win the division, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who after getting their hearts ripped out by the Steelers last week, went up to Buffalo and literally punched themselves in the face on the way out of this, uh, out of the way out of this for a loss. I guess literally didn't punch themselves in the face, but, um, they did get in a fight, Leonard Fournette and, uh, um, and, uh, and 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 Shaq, Shaq Lawson, Austin. yeah, got in a fight. And this is an unbelievable sequence of events that just explains everything you need to know about Jacksonville's long and distinguished history of sucking at football games. Um, so they have. 
They lose 24 to 21 as a final score. They're, they're tied 14 all with Buffalo. They, Blake Portals throws up a Hail Mary to, to Dante Moncrief for like 24 yards. Moncrief pulls it in and goes down and is like scrambling to like hold on to the ball and try and recover it. It's ruled a touchdown. A melee breaks out between Fournette and Lawson. They're swinging punches. It's wild as hell. And, um, and then those, both those guys get ejected. The, the replay checks on the touchdown. They move it back to the one yard line. Fournette's not there and he's having a good game. He's rushed for 95 yards on, on 18 carries for t- two touchdowns for Breach's fantasy team, which is a terrible team, but it's somehow advancing into the next round of the playoffs. <laughs> um, Carlos Hyde comes in and runs for negative one yards, of course. Fournette would have scored. Then the Jaguars get called for a false start. Then they try to run Blake Bortles up the middle. He gets stopped. Then they get called for a holding call. Then Blake Bortles gets sacked. Then they kick a field goal and miss it. And then Buffalo goes down and scores twice to, to ultimately get the, the, you know, the, the, the game, the game winning score. Josh Allen, eight of 19 for 160 yards. That's a, that's a line. Um, and a, and a touchdown. And, and he ran 13 times for 99 yards and a touchdown. That's, that's also a line. Uh, the, the Jaguars just, just beat themselves up and they, they're sloppy and it, it sums up their whole season pretty nicely. It's not a it's not a good sign when you watch the game and you can't tell that there's only one rookie quarterback playing and is mm. um, with limited starts because you look at the Jaguars' offensive approach and it looks like they're the ones trying to cater to a rookie's weakness and trying to ease him in when the fact that they've had Blake Bortles for several years now and I feel like we spent some of you guys spent this last podcast defending Blake Bortles cough cough Ryan um, I don't know how you can win with this guy I I really don't and they're not the, winning. You you were defending him a week ago. What what happened this week? What, I, was it Sean McDermott's brilliant game plan? I guess that would probably. You're be reading it. my mind, Sean. Carry on. <laughs> um, my point being, like the good news for Jacksonville, we say this. I say this every week. It's pretty clear what the direction is. You need to get a new quarterback. The, the thing I'm concerned about, as we saw with the fight, is this team seems to unravel at the first. Uh, sign of um, tension is not the right word. Just any little pushback against them. Anytime things aren't going right, they seem to unravel. I don't know what the solution is there. Winning cures everything. You get a better quarterback. That helps matters. Um, I wasn't that impressed by Josh Allen or Buffalo. He hit a big pass. That kind of boosted all of his passing numbers. He ran the ball like crazy, which is great. His athleticism will be a real skill set in the future. But if he keeps running like that, he's taking some big hits. I don't know how long he's going to last. And then you got to throw the the Petermans, whoever they've got back there now, back in the lineup. So I think that's concerning. Um, that's all I've got. This has kind of become a weekly thing where we bash Blake Bortles because it was kind of his fault they lost. You know, you look at, again, the Jags have this game plan for the second straight week that went perfect to a T. They ran the ball straight down Buffalo's throat. 226 yards on the ground. That's a monstrous number. And then Blake Bortles, what does he do? Barely completes 50% of his passes. He was 12 of 23, only throws for 127 yards, and also throws two interceptions. So, you know, if you're not pinning 70% of the blame on Blake Bortles, and then Josh Lambeau with that crazy easy missed field goal that Brinson was just talking about, but that was it right there. It was Bortles and Josh Lambeau. Cut them both. Start over tomorrow. Uh, even if the Jaguars won out, they would have a 2% chance of making the playoffs. They are dead. This is a situation, I think, where you could see wholesale changes. Like Tom well, Paul. rid of Bortles, though? I think he's doing something like. They can't, they can't get rid of Bortles. Right. They saddle themselves to him for another year. It's insane. There was, there was Case Keenum, 
Kirk Cousins, Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy yeah, 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 yeah. The Jaguars laughed at me too. Who's laughing now, clowns? Um, and I, and look, I like the, I like the Jaguars. Jaguars are the team I grew let's up. Check it, let's check the list. The Jaguars now hate you, and Derek Carr now hates you. So. And it's going to make perfect sense when Derek Carr is the Jaguars quarterback here too. Two birds. And just for the record, I like the Jaguars and root for the Jaguars because I grew up going to Jaguars games with my grandfather, who's an original like an OG season ticket holder. But when they're laughing at my article saying that they need to tra- trade for Teddy Bridgewater, and then Blake Bortles out here fumbling like butt fumbling his entire life, get out of here! I'm not listening to that crap. Um, Jaguars are a problem. The under on the Jaguars season win total at nine has already cashed. Congratulations to. Uh, Contributor and listener of the podcast, R.J. White, who bet that. Pete Prisco called him a moron for doing it. I showed Pete doesn't know anything. Two years ago, Pete was like, the Jaguars under is definitely going to hit. And the Jaguars won 10 games. And this year, he's like, how are they not going to lose? How are they going to win less than 13 games? And as you can see, that is not happening. The Jaguars are ostensibly eliminated from the playoffs. Um, Eagles-Giants. Who watched this awesome game? Anybody watch this game? Watch a little bit of it. Uh, the, the Giants started strong. <laughs> they were up. They were up double digits at one point. Saquon was playing great. Eli looked like he he was playing uh, the way that had us talking last week, where we were convinced that the Giants going to talk themselves into keeping Eli. And uh, then the second half things started falling apart. I didn't watch a lot of the second half. Uh, I was too busy reading tweets from our boss, who's a Giants fan, who I think was. Uh, simultaneously tweeting while throwing himself out the window repeatedly as the <laughs> as the Eagles. Mounted their comeback and came back for the win. Uh, the Eagles won. We're They're noting still- that Kevin, our boss, who's a Giants fan, also had uh, his college football team, the, the UNC Tar Heels, fire their head coach on uh, this this fine Sunday morning. So um, rough day. Chapeau. Um, but I, I think the takeaway isn't so much that the Giants lost another three and eight. I think it's that the the, the Eagles are still a very bad football team. Mm. Um, I don't know what the odds are that you're looking at running in terms of their playoff. Opportunities, but I, I feel like it's a win, and they beat the Giants. I feel like the Giants still have to change Eli Manning. Hopefully, they will seventeen percent. By the way, take that under serious consideration. And I, I feel like the Eagles just need to get healthy. They had like four defensive backs out before the game started. I think another another one went down during the game, and they still found a way to to outsmart Eli Manning and, and Pat Shermer. But I, I feel like this team is looking forward to 2019. I don't think they're going to do anything for the rest of the season. I'm going to say something real quick. I love to blame Giants losses on Eli Manning, but I am not going to do that with this loss. The Giants had the most perplexing play calling in the history of football. Saquon Barkley carries the ball nine times for 94 yards in the first half. 94 yards in the first half. You know how many yards he had in the second half? Seven. Seven? Seven. That is almost as perplexing as the way you pronounce Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley. <laughs> Sa- so you have Saquon. He, he he touched the ball five times in the second half. That's it. After touching the ball, uh, I think fifteen times in the first half. So it's like, why are you getting away from your best player? This is you know Eli Manning actually played a decent game and you threw it away because the guy who just made your offense roll in the first half you just got away from it. It didn't make any sense. Play calling was completely baffling. I'm not going to call for Pat Shermer to be fired yet, but, I mean, that's the kind of play calling that just you're throwing your season away. Would you bring Eli Manning back next year, John? No. can't. You cannot do it. You ju- yeah, wait. You, you just, you just, they're going to do it, and you just can't do it. It's gonna be, it's I gonna would snap at the safe one. Um, snap. That's not a terrible idea. The uh, The New York Jets 
Speaking of guys who aren't going to be back, the New York Jets probably not going to bring back Todd Bowles. Another pretty bad effort by his team that lost 27 to 13 to the New England Patriots. Sonny Michelle carried the ball 21 times for 133 yards. Tom Brady was just fine, 20 of 31 for 283 and two touchdowns. It's enough to get the job done. Josh McCown had to throw 45 times, uh, and rushed for almost as many yards as Isaiah Crowell. It's a bad Jets team, and it's just hard to imagine them keeping anything the same and not firing Todd Bowles and trying to go out and find some sort of offensive guru like a Cliff Kingsbury type. You know what the uh, takeaway from this Jets season is? If the butt fumble was Mark Sanchez's Thanksgiving Day miracle however many years ago, I think it's going to be Cordero Patterson grabbing that guy in the jump <laughs> during the game Sunday. What and I think after – what did he say after the game when he was asked about it? He's, I don't know. Can we say it on this podcast? Well, he said, I don't want someone's – private business in my face while I'm at the bottom of a pile. Here, so. Connor Orr, the MMQB, um, transcribed it. Cordero Patterson on why he was caught on CBS, and he was seen clearly like grabbing another man's penis and like trying to like get the man off of him. Uh, grabbing someone's um, stuff. We say TT in this house, Sean, don't laugh. Um, he was trying to get the he was trying to get the guy off of him. I'm a grown man. I don't need no one's ass and dick and balls in my face. End quote. Yeah, I don't know if you can say that. I think you can if it's a quote. I would probably bleep that out. <laughs> <laughs> you think so? Which one? I'll agree, just to be safe. <laughs> I'm fine with Brenton saying that, and I think that should be the sound clip for the show. <laughs> I'm a grown I mean, man. I don't need no ass in my face. Oh, uh, he doubled down on it. <laughs> well, yeah. if he keeps the clip in, we, we need to decide who's going to be the host next week. I don't think the A It'll is. It'll be Sean. What, what, word, what word there is the one that's going to get you in trouble? When we'll say them all three again. Nice try, buddy. We're not yeah. saying those words. <laughs> it's read all three, but repeat them loudly. You would say the A word or the D word or the B word? You don't have to say the words. Which one's getting you in trouble there? The Wait, what are, what are those words? Can you say them for me? <laughs> you know what they are. You're a grown man. <laughs> You're like Cordell Patterson. You're a grown anyway, man. Anyway, the point is Patterson wasn't pleased where – which is sort of weird because he's been playing football for, I would imagine, 10, 15 years. This has to be – this isn't the first time he's on the bottom of the pile. Running back. This is, this is He's not, Maybe that's he's not pleased right. about being a running back now. He's, just, Fair enough. he's getting the A and the B and the D on his face. <laughs> I would love to see Bill Belichick sitting him down just trying to explain to him, this is what happens when you play this position. Like, Listen, Bill. having serious talk about I patience. Want, and... I don't want no ass in my face. Um, I think that the A word is fine. I'll find it. I'll get an email from somebody tomorrow if it's not fine. Uh, anyway, the, the Jets stink. And the, that's a good call, Ryan. That was the best one. I wish we had audio of that. Uh, the last. Well, we do. Just said it. You're right. We do have audio of that. The Cardinals played the Chargers and they got destroyed. Um, I would say that the uh, biggest takeaway here, Phillip Rivers is dialed in. Uh, the, the Cardinals came to play early on. Phillip Rivers, 25 of 25 to start the game. He would end up going 28 of 29 for 259 yards and three touchdowns uh, before giving way to Geno Smith, who came in for a little bit. Melvin Gordon, 10 carries, 61 yards, two scores. He would leave uh, MCL issue. He's battling. So Austin Eckler um, ended up ca- you know, 11 targets, 10 catches, basically a dump-down machine. And, um, and Keenan Allen scored seven targets, seven catches. Travis Benjamin was nice. Mike Williams had two two touchdowns. And it really felt like Larry Fitzgerald had an early touchdown and the Cardinals got up. But, man, they just gave up in the second half. And they just ran David Johnson and, and Chase Edmonds into the middle of the line in the second half. We're just trying to get out of Dodge. Uh, sort of sad to see if you're, you know, if you're a Cardinals fan. Uh, I don't know if there's a whole lot to take away from this other than the fact that um, the Cardinals aren't very good. 49ers Buccaneers. 
Anybody watch that uh, that score trooper game? I didn't watch uh, it. Uh, nope. Sean, you watched it, didn't you? It, you, it passed you, by at times. You live blogged it? Did you live blog it? I, I did not live blog. They, do you think our bosses are cruel enough to make me live blog that game? I wish they were. That'd be awesome. I had to live blog the, the damn Steelers turning the ball over four times. Um, you think you can say that and I can't say A and D? I can't D. say damn. Well, how is that worse? How is that better than A and D and B? Well, he could be talking about I feel like, like the context, the you're waterfall. S- you're like you're a 26 year old slinging around the D word, trying to be cool on a podcast. I'm just quoting a, I'm just a reporter quoting a, a you know, a guy on Twitter. That's me just trying to. That's me censoring myself, though. I feel like that's just the. All right, I'm not getting sucked into this. This printed. I don't even know what this is. It's uh, just me and Wilson on the podcast next week because everyone else got fired. This is just trying to drag me down with them, and I'm not, I'm not here for it. Yeah, this next week's I, podcast is going to be Steelers Bengals all the time. <laughs> oh wow, how different from this current podcast? Uh, although that's my fault because I was making fun of you guys for it. Um, it, this game was a uh, a smashing of the uh, 49ers, 27 to nine. 49ers, by the way, released of course Ruben Foster before the game. When he was arrested for domestic violence in Tampa Bay the night before the game, that should have been a sign along with Nick Mullen starting his first road game that perhaps the 49ers weren't going to win. I actually put this team in the super contest like a moron. Matt Breida, 14 carries, 106 yards. Big takeaway here maybe, though, that Jameis Winston sort of playing himself into a contract, Sean? Uh, I don't know if we're going that far, but you're right in the sense that the only thing worth watching in this game is Jameis Winston. The, the 49ers don't have really anything interesting to watch because of uh, Garoppolo's injury. The Bucks don't really have anything interesting to watch besides Jameis, but Jameis is interesting because they got to decide what to do with him. Look, he played one of his best games of his career, uh, I'd be willing to say. Not in terms of flashiness. He's certainly had more flashy games, but in terms of being clean and not turning the ball over and not having fumbles. Look, he had 15 fumbles last year. He had 11 interceptions entering this game, and I believe like five appearances, something like that. He didn't have a fumble or an interception today. It came against a bad team. So I don't want to overreact because we've seen him play games like this before. And then two weeks later, he's throwing five interceptions as he tries to force passes downfield. So um, I don't think there's a way – there's nothing to overreact to this game except he played well. And if he can string more games like this together, uh, that will help his future going into next year. But I don't I don't, I don't want to overreact to one game because we've seen him play well before in the past. So you're saying you're on – you're eating that W, is what you're saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing the opposite of eating the W. I'm spinning out that L. That sounds like something you don't want to say out loud, but I, <laughs> I don't know what it means. Uh, what, what would that possibly mean in, I don't know, in that man. mind of yours? Look, I'm just an old man who's sitting here talking about A and D and B. I don't know anything about spinning really, out Ls. Really quick, you mentioned the Reuben Foster situation. I think... It really, his situation shows how much the draft is a crapshoot and luck oriented because you go back to that draft. The Saints were on the phone with him thinking they were drafting him at number 32. And then the 49ers jump up one spot and take him. And, and the Saints are pissed that they didn't get their guy. And now in, in hindsight, um, that's the best thing that ever happened to them. Well, and, I mean, if you think, sorry, Breach, but they wanted Patrick Mahomes. At their first draft pick, the Chiefs jumped in front of them and took Mahomes, so they had to settle for Marshawn Lattimore. And then they wanted Ruben Foster, they had to settle for Ryan Ramchick. And now they've got two guys who are like top ten at their position in the NFL. They helped him win a division title last year. They helped him spur him on a Super Bowl run this year. If they have Ruben Foster and Patrick Mahomes, and Mahomes is obviously great, but he wouldn't be playing behind Drew Brees, they would be maybe a bad football team that could be cutting Drew Brees. Who knows? And I was just going to mention 
real quick, how bad do your decision-making skills have to be that you get arrested in your team hotel? Like, I mean, that if we are ranking bad decisions on a, you know, that that's top three yeah. for NFL players. I, I mean, that's you're at the team hotel. It's hard. You, they have you under watch. You you have a curfew. You're told to go to bed. Your whole you have an itinerary. Everything structured. It's almost impossible to do something illegal, and then he still manages to pull it off. And it's also the second incident, of course. And he he knew one more, and he was gone because John Lynch came out at the time of last time saying, if this is proven true, he won't be part of our team. So I think everyone knew that if something like this happened again, he was gone. I, I think Bang will sign him next week, right? It's actually probably going to happen. Uh, I, mean, I just think I think that the girl involved in this incident had previously had testified that she did what she lied about whatever happened before in order to get money from Ruben Foster. And then to have this incident happen again sort of reverses that. It makes you believe that the first incident probably happened. And Ruben Foster's dealt with a bunch of stuff in terms of law enforcement. And so, I mean, good on the 49ers, I guess, for cutting him. Makes you wonder. Um, it, it does tell you a lot about how NFL teams operate that they didn't cut him the uh, the first time. The, right? Yeah, and they also, I can't remember who it was, they cut someone else, I believe, that same offseason and the offseason before who was involved in a similar incident, and they didn't wait for it to play out in court. Obviously, they waited for this one to play out in court because he was a first-round pick, and they didn't want to dump him right away. Um, it's not surprising. It's not just the 49ers who do this. Most teams end up doing this. That is- and that's one other thing to keep in mind about Jameis's good game is that he was going up not just against a bad 49ers defense, but a 49ers defense that cut a starting linebacker 24 hours before start. Eight yeah. at four hours before the game. So. Yeah, yeah, this more. I, mean, I yeah, thought like I thought you were going to say just to remind her that in addition for Jameis's on the field concerns, he also has off the field concerns that. Whoa, going to go that route, Sean? Um, Sean's burning, scorching it's, hot it's, take: it's, first it's round quarterback of the week. Take of the week. Do you have a? Do you have a? What's your hot milk take of the week? By the way, I totally engaged in some aggressive. Uh, Thanksgiving chatter with, uh, with family members about big turkey and, uh, and big milk and big pork. And they, they were, they were so not pleased with my conspiracy theories. I was like, see, this is, I was like, this just goes to prove to do that. They're like, what is, what is, Will's turned into a damn hippie. What's he talking about on there? By the what way, what do you have to say about milk? I was just like, oh, no, here we go. I think, and the same stuff we say on the podcast, but I was pointing out that like, Big turkey is convinced everybody that you got to have turkey for Thanksgiving. Turkey's overrated. You know, it's- I, what, what happened to you that everywhere you go, you have to antagonize the people you're with? You antagonize us. You antagonize <laughs> your family members at Thanksgiving. Well, most of these. Like. When most... you say what happened to you, does that imply that at some point Brinson wasn't like this? Because I've known him for about four years now. And this is <laughs> well, I would imagine he was, when he was two years old, he probably got along nicely. There I, I used to be I used to be nice and get along with people. And then I worked for this jerk editor. On this place, this thing, this place called Fan House on the back porch thing, um, and uh, this guy they put this they put this egomaniacal egomaniacal monster in charge of back porch at the at fanhouse.com. And he's talking just, about me, Sean. Just I'm a lot of things. Egomaniacal is not one of them. Egomaniacal is not that. Um, no, I think I think I was just I was just I was really just taunting my relatives because it's like they're all like complaining about how Cam they're like. Cam's just not, he doesn't have it between the ears. You know what I mean? And I'm like, uh huh, I do know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> I know exactly, I know exactly, <laughs> what, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> do you know what you mean? Um, and, uh, and so I thought I'd taunt them with my theories on, on why, uh, 
why we should all move to plant-based foods and uh and then then I would pursue. Oh, now you sound like Tom Brady. And you had your black bean pizza today too. This really is something. I guess I was a vegetarian. My wife hated it. Um but uh I uh yeah, I mean at the same time I'm like, "Hand me another one of those Bud Lights." Mills. Um did I, I we, we did not drink Bud Light at our Thanksgiving. We drank almond milk Baileys, which exists. You know, my my sisters go dairy free. They're trying to push that on me. Sorry, Big Milk. They're trying to take down Big Milk and they're doing it person by person and they're give, doing it by giving me almond milk Baileys. So I thought you guys should know that another oh, were they? shot at Big Milk. Uh it was delicious and I already bought a bottle. I bought it on Saturday and you know, that's might be my new podcast sipping drink. Ryan, I know what Sean did for for Thanksgiving, not to belabor this podcast, but uh how was your, how was your Thanksgiving? Did you have a good time? Yeah, went to the uh, my father-in-law's house. Had a great time. Yeah. Uh, my wife's side of the family's Italian, so we ate a lot of food. Played uh, Monopoly with my 11-year-old and 7-year-old. I, I love Monopoly. Was it Millennialopoly? No, it was a local version of Monopoly. I, I cannot – I wish you were there then, Sean, because Monopoly – four hours of Monopoly is too much. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. that's, how long, that's how long every game lasts minimum, though. I, no... <laughs> did yeah. you did – you, were you dumb, and did you, like, divide the properties at the beginning to speed up the process? Because no, that just ruins the whole thing. I think we did old school rules, but you know. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Sorry, one more question about the rules. When you play, do you play with free parking or do you play with no free parking? Oh this God. guy, look at this guy. He's <laughs> hardcore. Guy like I, so I can, I can pull out my uh, my Game of Thrones Years. Monopoly table right here. There, so. Oh my God! <laughs> For those, Sean sitting next to him on his table is a Game of Thrones collector's edition of Monopoly. Could you read some of the properties on the Game of Thrones Monopoly? Oh God! Uh, let me see. Where it? What's the best property? It must be the. Maybe the, the Iron Throne, yeah, right? I'll, I'll get off the board. Um, so you you want to know what like the parks place? What, what's yeah, what's Boardwalk park and Park Place and Game of Thrones? Yeah. It's you know what? Westeros they're is not, probably it's not, it's not good. I it's, remember it being it's just, not good. It's just boardwalk. It's so like, it's, it's King's Landing good. for one of them, which obviously <laughs> yeah, King's Landing. That's what I mean. Which makes sense. The second all of, one's not all, very good. All of King's Landing. That's a lot of space. That's a small area. It's actually a pretty small area. It's just a lot of people packed in. What's one Park Place, John? Well, I want. I'll give you guys each one guess. Uh, where's uh, where's Ned from? That that area. Winterfell. No. Okay. That's what I thought it'd be too. The Wall? No. Um, Can Brenton name another Game of Thrones place? That's the question. That's insulting. Uh, no, I'm trying to think what the best place is. It's not The Wall. It's not It's not Winterfell. I mean, of course I can name it. We're going to do this podcast about Game of Thrones um, <laughs> when when the show actually comes on. Stop stalling and name a place. What's the uh, – now I've like lost the – The guy who lost to the mountain, where he's from, that, that area. No, oh, that's a good one. Uh, what's, the, uh, what's the place where Daenerys – Takes uh, where she's hanging out with they've got the the slaves and stuff. Um, Marine, yeah, Marine. No, nah, it's Bravos. Ah, uh, oh, that's good. that's where the bank is. Makes sense. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, you're right. Maybe it doesn't make a little bit sense. Wait, wait, wait. What are the railroads instead of the what are the railroads instead of railroads? What do you have? It's it's it's, it's um it's houses. So hard. Well, so, you guys, so you guys are telling me in. that the podcast lasted another hour as you made Sean read off Game of Thrones places. Yes. Exactly. Um, he had a thick handy though, didn't he? What are the um, what are the little instead of like the car and the 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 iron and the the, yeah, shoe, what, the, the utilities? Boot? Yeah. No, no, no. What oh, no, the, the the pieces. This is the most exciting I've ever seen, Sean. 
So you have the um, oh yeah the pieces. Like, this is like show and tell. This is like school all over again. You got the Iron Throne. I'll say I was a little bit disappointed with the pieces. Okay. Um, Me too. You've got a dragon egg. You've got the Night King. Is there a Daenerys piece? And can you send it to me? There's not. I'm sorry, John. Uh, but I can give you the Iron Throne. The Night King is one of the pieces? On That's a little weird. And there's a raven. There's a wolf. Oh, those are good pieces. Do you like them? The Night King doesn't make sense there, You right? should get one for your next Thanksgiving. Yeah, that would actually make me more excited to play it. But uh, this, I love you had it so handy, but I don't like – Monopoly takes too long. I need like a 15-minute version of Monopoly, then I'm in. Okay, but, but did you win? No. I, I gave – all my money to my seven-year-old, and I got up and left. Well, playing it with a seven-year-old is a pain in the A, B, and D. <laughs> all of them. That's right. It's a, yeah, it's a, tri- it's a trip better. Yeah. Um, all right. Any more uh, Game of Thrones? Uh, now I'm mad that Sean thinks I don't know places in, in Game you, of Thrones. You, it took you a while to come up with one. I'm I'm not, cur- I couldn't see your hands. I'm not convinced you were secretly Googling a map. <laughs> oh, 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 my God. You got him. He, he, I definitely he, would have said – I would have named an actual place instead of saying the place that Daenerys takes the slaves. Um, <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I, look, it's about, it's not Game of Thrones season. It was it back in April of 2019. Yeah. Oh, we'll be doing this podcast on Sunday nights after Game of Thrones to break it down. We all watch it live, right? That we do. Okay. Let's get out of here. This is going on. Wait, Wait a second. Did you, did we, did you talk about painters? Yeah. I was just going to say, I sent him a DM on Slack too. We skipped a game. Whoops. Now I gotta add the <laughs> game of your team getting stomped. Oh, um, I even wrote down Panthers Seahawks with a time next to it. I just didn't talk about it. That's hilarious. Okay, crap. Panthers beat the Seahawks. Seahawks beat the Panthers. And really what is the most important game of the day, um, that we waited until the very end to talk about Carolina, uh, Christian McCaffrey was exceptional, had first Panther in, uh, in franchise history to rush for a hundred yards and have a hundred yards receiving. He scored twice. Cam Newton, we've even talked about Cam Newton and the Thanksgiving stuff and I didn't bring it up. Wow. Uh, Cam Newton had it between the ears on, uh, on Sunday. He was, he was slinging the ball over the place. The problem, the defense wasn't very good and the red zone offense was terrible. Carolina could not convert inside the 20 and as a result, even though they had 476 yards to see the Seahawks 397, um, even though they averaged 8.4 yards per play, and even though they only turned it over once, they lost 30 to 27. Russell Wilson was excellent, 22 of 31, 339 yards and two touchdowns. Couldn't manufacture much of a running game, but Russell, Tyler Lockett, and, D- and David Moore, both guys over 100 yards with a touchdown, had huge games. I don't know what to tell the Panthers. I mean, that's, you can't lose that game. They're now six and five. The Seahawks jumped to six and five. Seahawks have a tiebreaker over them. And I think if I were picking wildcard teams in the NFC breach, the Seahawks would be one of my wildcard teams. Absolutely. I love the Seahawks. I mean, this is exactly, uh, Russell Wilson just played lights out. I think there was a fourth down where he threw like a 35 yard touchdown pass in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, Cam Newton was good in this game, but Russell Wilson was better. It was like every time, it was like watching a heavyweight boxing match where there would just be, boom, one uppercut, and then the Seahawks come back with another uppercut. And I don't think anybody was expecting this to be turning into a semi-shootout. You know, usually these two teams play a low-scoring defensive slugfest, and here we are having just the crazy 30-27 game. And, and, you know, you hit the nail on the head with the, the Panthers – 
looked good, and it's almost surprising they lost it. But, you know, you got to put this on Russell Wilson. That dude carries Seattle everywhere, and uh, this win was all him. Should Russell, Wilson, like, should Russell Wilson be in our MVP balloting, Sean? Can I? Can I? I was going to have one more question. Should Pete Carroll be? Yes. Coach, your consideration. I think this is maybe his best year since I would say Wilson's Russell's rookie year, which is when um, you know he wasn't quite up to speed. He wasn't quite as good, and Carroll got them to the playoffs still, and they had that really eventful playoff loss to the Falcons. I think what Pete Carroll's done is remarkable. You look at the exodus of talent in the off season. You look at they had to navigate the Earl Thomas situation, then he gets hurt, and they're playing without their best defensive player. Um, so I, I think what what the Seahawks are doing is incredible. I think for the last couple of weeks now, they've looked like a playoff team. I think they will get one of the playoff spots. And I don't know if I would put Russell Wilson in the MVP conversation. You were talking about your family. My I'm from Seattle, so my, my family are Seahawks fans. My also, dad Also is, a bunch of rednecks, huh? Not, not at all. Um, yeah, no, no kidding. Uh, my dad is very anti. He he likes Russell Wilson, but he doesn't think a they should give him a huge contract right now. He does, your dad and doesn't he, think Russell has it between the ears. No, he, he thinks he's just a little bit erratic and inaccurate. <laughs> what? What? I mean, you look at the game. Who did they play last week? The Packers. He was pretty bad for three quarters, and they then won. he played well in the fourth quarter, and they won. So anyways, he doesn't think this is Wilson's. I'm, I'm aware that they won. I, I picked them to win that game. Um, but I'm 11-0 picking their games. Are you actually? That's not. That's, a, that's a real fact. Seahawks that, games? Yeah. You spend Seahawks. so much time figuring out what your record is uh, on certain teams. It's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, if I was 11-0 with some team, I'd spend time researching that too. But to your coaches, it was like Breach and like talking about He's like, I am fourteen and zero picking the Chiefs. Uh, <laughs> Has anyone fact checked these these rankings, no, or do you no, think no, you no, pick no, a team no. that no one's going to go back and look at? No. Has your dad seen Trubisky play by by chance, Sean? He he is <laughs> hey, not. He, here's, he started watching here's, the, the. Here's a bit. fun. Here's a fun fact for Mr. Wagner McGuff. Russell Wilson is number eleven all time in career completion hey, percentage. He's talking about. He's talking about this year. He's not talking about his, he, he loves Wilson career wise. His, his he's completed sixty six percent of his passes. What does he want his, from him? He doesn't think that the Seahawks can be a team where people were talking about entering the year where this is Wilson's team now and they are going to drop back to pass instead of running it. And he's he still thinks that they need to run the ball in that he, he thinks Wilson can be a bit erratic at times. And I I think at times he has been a little bit erratic this year. I still think he's, he's really good. David Moore and, and Tyler Lockett and a banged up uh, Doug Baldwin and no Jimmy Graham. Get out of here. He's got nobody. To I like you. how I am like. How, I, why this wasn't me saying it. This is my dad saying it. Uh-huh. You're taking out of me like I don't always agree with my dad on everything. Sounds like you're trying to agree with him. Um, well, he can host next week when Princeton gets kicked off, so we'll talk to him. That's right. Seven days from now. Did you sound, it sounds like you're feeling us out to see how we feel about this, and then and and you're going to tell us this was actually your opinion, and your dad didn't have anything to do with this at all. I, I will say this: Russell Wilson's not in my top five MVP votes, and I don't think he'll get there by the end of the year unless the Seahawks win out somehow. Well, by the way, the Seahawks have four of their final five games are at home. They got to play the Chiefs and the Vikings. Their only road game left is in San Francisco. They don't have to leave that smog-filled, elitist uh, left coast, uh, you know, area that you're in up there, Sean. I don't live in Seattle. That's all the same. 
right. We're not. You're on the West Coast, though. We No, no. The Bay Area is dominated by Google and Facebook. Seattle is Amazon. So there's your difference. I just want a live stream of Ryan's face. These, not, <laughs> these are negatives of these cities. I was just going to say, talk about real quick the Seahawks as a potential playoff team. Brinson just mentioned four of the final five at home. The Titans are the only other team in the NFL that have four of the final five at home. And you look at the teams that have to go to Seattle, the two biggest games, Vikings and against the Chiefs. And, you know, as crazy as it sounds, obviously Seattle, a tough place to play. Those seem like very winnable games, which I wouldn't have said probably even three weeks ago. Uh, but now I don't think it's crazy to think of the Seahawks beating the Vikings or even the Chiefs. Yeah, and Seattle's been, you know, look, Seattle lost some games early, but uh, they were in the game with the Bears on that Monday night where, where Russell threw the late pick six. They could have beaten the Broncos uh, in that week one game on the road. They played a ton, a tough schedule early. And, yeah, I think if you're doing top three coach of the year candidates, my list is probably Frank Wright one, Pete Carroll two, and Matt Nagy three, but mostly just Matt Nagy three to troll you, Sean. And two of those close losses to the Rams. And yep. I'm sure Sean's dad thinks they're going to go six and ten. By the way, if the uh, Chiefs lose that game, uh, I'm just going to predict it. The Patriots are going to be the number one seed in the AFC. And then the Their Patriots sch- will be in the Super Bowl. There's, yep. Their schedule is so incredibly easy. They have the AFC East. I mean, they're going to walk in. Now, they do get uh, Miami. They're at Miami before they're at Pittsburgh, I believe. So that's a little bit of a – that's begging, Ryan, for the, begging for an upset. Would you rather go to Foxborough and play the Patriots in January or go to Arrowhead and play the Chiefs? Not even close. Yeah, Brian McFadden made that quite clear. He said, under no circumstances do you want to go to Gillette Stadium and face, and this is what he said, touchdown Tommy. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> there you go. They, they won in Gillette, I mean, in Arrowhead a couple of years ago, and Antonio Brown was Facebook Live in the, the locker room afterwards. That was, that was a completely, I don't think anyone's thinking these Chiefs are anywhere near. Yeah, that Chiefs team plays defense. Yeah, but Andy Reid turns into Marvin Lewis in the playoffs. Yeah. He'll, he'll figure out some way to botch a thing and the Chiefs <laughs> lose in the divisional round. Takes Mahomes out when they're up like fourteen nothing or something like that. Remember when the Chiefs blew that lead to the Colts? I mean, Colts. they put up. Oh my god, yeah, that's one of the craziest games ever. That is what that's that was the when night. Andy uh, Reid's coaching in the playoffs. It's all on the table for a loss. That was in twenty fourteen. My son was born uh, the day before that game. And remember when the Chiefs blew that lead to the Titans last year? Oh <laughs> lord, yeah, yeah. They got a lot of bad losses. So you'd rather definitely rather play the Arrowhead than in Gillette. For the record, I would I would rather I would rather go to. The New England. See, you see, that's what Sean just flip flops. He just likes to. Wait, 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 flip flop. Uh, Went a couple weeks ago on this podcast. I made the dumb comment that the Patriots were like the fourth best team in the AFC. That I eventually retracted, and I agreed that it was a dumb statement. I've been on the record this podcast that I don't think the Patriots are that good this year. Yeah, but that means you want to go to Gillette with Bill Belichick's got two weeks to prepare. I don't think I. Andy Reid concerns legitimate. And I get that hundred percent. I don't. I think it. it Sean, helps. what happened when you, you press yourself? Patrick, what happens when the Chiefs? Mahomes, and you're going to be up thirty, and it doesn't matter. What happened when the, the clock, What know. happened when the Chiefs went to Gillette? Man, they lost. That was that, yeah. That, that was in Gillette. If if the Chiefs are hosting the Patriots, I'll I'll take the Chiefs. Right, but the Chiefs, Gillette's a much bigger home field advantage than Arrowhead. I, I think the Chiefs are just a better team. I, I'm not saying Aaron. So who won when the team. Chiefs and the Patriots played? <laughs> the Patriots played. I don't. This isn't. This doesn't impact my my decision of who I'd rather play come January. Mm-hmm. One team is just better than the other by a yeah, wide margin. The Patriots, the team that beat the Chiefs. Chiefs have two losses. 
to the Rams and uh, fill in the blank, please. <laughs> I'm really glad you're just reading off their like team Wikipedia page for this year. I'm not looking at anything. I'm just reading it off my brain. I know who they lost you. I still think the Chiefs are a better team. Okay. I, th- I think the Chiefs are better than the Rams as well. They're, Patrick Mahomes isn't, isn't going to turn the ball over five times every game. The Chiefs are better than every team they lost to is what Sean is telling us. <laughs> the Chiefs are the second best team in football is what I'm saying. Who's the best? The Bengals. The Bears. <laughs> the, the, Bears are, the Bears are right behind the Chiefs. The Bears are right behind the Chiefs. All right, this podcast. I've been five hours. Yep, this podcast is going on too long. Uh, I'm going to yell at because it's an hour and 15 minutes. But this is a lot of fun. We learned about Monopoly uh, for Sean Wagner. Look off. He's now making that. I'm mad at you guys face. Uh, Ryan Wilson. I'm not. And John Breach. I'm Will Brinson. Thanks for listening to the Week 12 Recap of the Fix 6 Podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with some Brady Quinn football show. Later, guys. Later.